This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, and welcome to the Chels. The transfer window. I wanted that to stay open forever. Why do they have to close it? Can you imagine how many people would have bought in the next few months if they'd left it open? But sadly, it had to close. And to discuss the closing, the transfer window, what's going on? Are we in heaven? Are we going to hell? Who knows? The people here who are going to make the decisions that count, are one, oh, it, it's Gary. Gary for Gary Hayes. Gary, how are you, Gary? I'm as good as I was when I got on this call when you asked me the same question. Thank you. Okay, well, that's really not very useful for a listener, is it? You're meant to go, hey, I'm great. I'm really happy and looking forward to discussing everything with you. I'm great. I'm really happy and I'm forward to discussing everything with you. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly the answer I was hoping you'd give. And of course, the other person who's here who at least will give us some semblance of serious insight is none other than Mr. Seb Fontaine. Seb, how are you? I'm great. I'm really happy and I'm really looking forward to giving you all my, uh, my thoughts. <laughs> this is going brilliantly i love it i love it well i tell you you know what's it been like for you seb because i haven't spoken to you for a while have you been having a a busy january out on the decks and things no january has felt like lockdown again um i've just been sitting in my pants talking to the dog basically (laughs) well at least you've i don't know whether you've elevated now (laughs) by talking to me and gary or i don't know probably it's about the same gone down it's about the same. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. Um, I can understand that. And, and Gary, how have you been? You're off to America again soon, aren't you? On Wednesday, darling, yes. Oh, and why are you going? Don't tell me it's anything to do with he we shall not name on here. 
Bruce. Andy Saunders. <laughs> no, Andy Saunders is out having a, a very low-key holiday in Antigua. Um, you're going to America, though, aren't you? And I think you're going to go and see some concerts. Uh, no, no, I'm just going to um, hang around in Asbury Park and interview some people for a series that I'm producing and just to, you know, be a New Jersey boy for a couple of weeks. So is there... Looking forward to it, darling. Are you going to be a hobo on the boardwalk? Well, just on the boardwalk, no hoboing. Or are you just going to be... My... my board stalk. My, um... Yeah, bought exactly. But my my concert going endeavours don't start until um, the twenty seventh of March. So what? You're going out there just to hang out on the boardwalk, and then you're going back well, to again. work. Yes, and oh, then okay. I'm going back in late March uh, to see him in Washington, and then today I just secured two tickets to see him at the Prudential Centre in Newark on the fourteenth of April as well. So I'm going to go back in April. Oh my god. Well, why don't you just go and live over there? Well, I might. Might you? But Chelsea are here, so, you know, that sort of keeps me staying. Okay, well... But um, and if you're interested, then I'm going to see him in Rome. I'm not really. Then in Birmingham, London twice, and then Milan for the last show of the uh, World Tour on the 25th of July. Seb, what's it like? When you you come across, and you must see this in your business, super fans like Gary. <laughs> oh. um, I think they're called stalkers. <laughs> Did you ever have people appear in Rust Hall, Seb? Like, I'm here for Seb Fontaine. No, was, Sorry, he moved out years that, ago. That, that was you. That was you. <laughs> I tell you, he will stalk you. If he finds you playing, he'll be there. He'll go, you know me from the Chels podcast. And you'll go, no, I really, 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 really don't. But, uh, but yes, um, are, you, are you a bit of a, a gig-goer still, Seb? Or do you just, because you're working, you just, it's like a bit of a busman's holiday, isn't it? Um, I, I've got, you know what, I get itchy feet when I'm in a gig. If I'm not doing anything, I, I kind of want to be up there doing things and stuff. But I do go to, you know, some special ones. Um, to be honest at the moment, it's just um, finding time. I think my work has got very weird in the way that it, so much more work is happening in the summer. We seem to have a longer summer and the winter is getting shorter and quieter. It's, it, it's almost becoming seasonal. So, you know, in, in the summer, I think this year I did something like 28 festivals. So trying to get around and see anyone else was pretty hard, actually. Yeah, no. What, what is a special gig in your mind, Seb, just out of interest? Please, God, don't say Bruce Springsteen. It's definitely not Bruce Springsteen. I don't know, really. Uh I mean, I, I I love a bit of madness, but I I, I you know some of the if, if I get I don't know I'm, I'm not going to reveal my inner secrets of my uh, <laughs> of, of who I listen to at home. <laughs> it's got to be someone really shit if he doesn't want to say it's Lionel Richie, isn't it? I know <laughs> he's not denying it. Right, I think we better leave this area well alone uh, and, and move on to. To, to Chelsea matters. Um, so, look, uh, transfer window, it's been extraordinary few weeks. Um, comings and goings and people being lined up for the summer and uh, and what have you. And then transfer deadline day. Uh, I mean, how, how many of these players did we know that much about? I mean, Gary, when you saw Noni Madueke, you th did you think, wow, 30 million on him, that's not a bad deal. 
did you know much about a lot of these players? Uh, to be honest, no, because I don't watch Dieri Divisi. So yeah, but it's not as though we were hearing loads of feedback about this English kid out there doing ripping it up. No, or exactly. So it, it, he was sort of under the radar a little bit, wasn't he? So I mean, we'll get to deadline day in a minute and what happened. But do, can we talk about? Well, let's talk about the, the whole sort of way that it's worked. This this whole this transfer window. What are we doing? We are looking as though we're buying potential. We're not buying anything guaranteed. We're buying potential. How do you see that, Gary? Uh, yeah, that's probably correct. But I think is it that a gamble? that's why Chelsea is it a gamble? have always been best. Okay. Yeah. I've, well, look, without sounding like too much of an idiot, uh, sitting on the fence... Um, Every transfer is a gamble within reason, right? We bought Torres for 50 million thinking we've got this ready-made Premier League striker and he turned into a dud. But then you pull one out of the bag with Azpilicueta, for instance, two years later, right? So, um, yeah, of course, look, whenever you're buying a player that young, you're, you're buying potential. There's, there's no way around it. That, that's not a criticism of Chelsea. I think that's just um, that's something to be acknowledged. And I like the fact they're doing that. I, I think you look at Chelsea historically, what? Let's let's just talk since we had real money. When you think about when Abramovich came in in two thousand and three, we were buying potential. Then you know we bought Arjen Robben, he was potential. We bought Petr Cech, he was potential. We bought Didier Drogba, he was potential. These are players who became stars by being at Chelsea, and I like doing that because I think where we've let ourselves down and failed in the past is buying ready named or ready made established stars and failing. Shevchenko. Torres, you know, you, you could list off a load of them. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, Seb, how do you view this? Are you excited? Did you find that actually you started looking at every morning? Well, what's happening today? Did you find that sense of excitement coming back into the, the, the way we were looking at how the transfers were being carried out? Because it had become stale at Chelsea. That whole transfer market had been something that wasn't really exciting you know we kind of knew the players we were going for some were okay some were let down you know this just felt like a real whirlwind didn't it yeah I I I think the last transfer window because we'd been set by by Boris's sanctions and all the issues like that I, I thought the last one really smacked of desperation I think spending nearly 90 million and Fafana and another 60 whatever million on Kukurea, it just felt like we were just throwing money at anyone that would give us players. This one feels a little bit more targeted. It feels like we're identifying the next world superstars, whatever. I, I mean, it is a risk, but, you know, but it, it, when you say you're buying, you're buying, you know, potential, you know, we're spending 80, 80 million pounds on some of these potential players um it worries me it really does worry me that you know and i think i think the price tags that they have run around their necks are worrying um and there's something about this transfer window that and and i, I think this is my biggest worry it feels like we've gone out and bought icing and cherries and hundreds of thousands but we've got to buy the flour in the cake that we're meant to be making it feels like we've missed 
the nitty gritty that we know. I will totally admit, I think Badia Shield has been brilliant. He's been such a, a change in defence, but I still feel like we're going out and buying, you know, the, the glittery bits. And I, I think there's more work and more steel that that team needs. I mean, it, 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 it feels like we're there for anybody to take us. It doesn't, I know these players need to bed in and stuff, but I still think there are slightly worrying signs. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I quite like some of the players. Look, the ones I don't really know about, we'll, we'll talk about Fulham. Fulham, we'll talk about as a game, but in context of everything else. But I like kind of what I'm seeing um, in these early, early moments. And I do think we've addressed most of the areas. Look, we know that our wide players are not up to muster. And when you see the flashes of Mudrik in the first game against Liverpool, you see the flashes from Madueke when he came on and just was going at people, you go, this is what we've missed, direct football. When you look at Enzo Fernandez, who'd been there for three days, actually pinging the ball left or right, looking forward, Given it, there was one ball he played into Havertz. They hit so hard that Havertz couldn't even control it. And you just think, this is what we've been missing. Somebody who will push the ball forward. Yeah, look, this is a house of cards. It could all come crashing down for sure. But I think they've taken risks on players. But I think they've got a team in place these are these are gamblers' risks in certain ways, but that's when you get the high reward. Well, I mean, what do you make of it, Gary? Do you think it feels more cohesive this window in the areas they filled? Some would say there's no centre forward, but then supposedly we're going to get in Kunku in the summer. So, have we not addressed most of the issues that were outstanding? We still have Lukaku to come back in the summer. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> but, but. Um, yeah, there's been more cohesion to it. Um, I think looking at what we've got, like Seb mentioned, Badia Shield there, they've signed two really exciting, well, just from the way they've made their debuts, two exciting inside forwards. Throw Felix into that mix as well if we're going to sign him at the end of his um, his loan agreement. Fernandez obviously looked good against Fulham. Um, I, I just think that it, it has been a good window. And I think a lot of people are looking at it now and thinking that, um, you know, we should be whipping teams like Fulham instantly. But I was chatting to someone earlier about this and they said um, Fulham looked a better team on Friday. And I thought, well, yeah, and they should because they are a team and we're not yet. Um, that's not to say that we won't be a team. I think if we're in this position come next January then we've got serious problems. Um, but I don't think we will be. And we said this you know, many times before when Tuchel was manager. You know, when he came in, we won the Champions League and we were saying, oh, we don't think we'll see Tuchel's team until November, December time when he would have had 10 months or so in the job. Um, and you look at it here and I think that's probably what you should be expecting from Potter's team, that we shouldn't really be seeing his ideas really, you know... Um, come to the fore as such until the next season has started at the earliest. Um, he's, he's come in mid-season for one. Um, we've had an incredible turnover of players. Um, the coaching team's changed. So much is going on at the club and obviously the, the players are protected from that. But just from a footballing perspective, 
there's so much more that Chelsea have got to achieve. It's not like we're looking at this team three or four years down the line and saying it's peaked. This team hasn't even really been born yet, has it? You know, so um, it, there is risk, but I think it's a calculated risk, and I'm excited by it. It reminds me of 2003 all over again. Well, yeah, I think I think that's true, and we'll come back to do a comparison on that because that's something that we've talked about, and it'd be very interesting to talk about that in a minute. Um, I mean, Seb, for you. Do you think these owners are actually showing, look, we've got everything in place. We're building a club here. Graham Potter, over the last week or so, has started sounding more confident. I think he believes that he's there for the long term. And I think he's going to be allowed to be bedded in as much as the players. And do you not think like the Fulham game? actually felt like a pre-season game in a weird way, that you had Reese James on for an hour, then Ben Chilwell came on for seven minutes at the end. Mudrick went off at half-time because he wasn't feeling well, um, but also they were only going to give him a certain amount of time. We're not in a season, are we? Um, you know what? That was the first game, Fulham was the first game I'd been to since the World Cup, just because of work and stuff. And I think there was a real buzz around the ground but I, I really found the atmosphere at the bridge quite negative. I, I think, you know, Chelsea fans have, well, we've only what, won two games in 12 matches or something like that. And it's starting to feel a bit gloomy at the bridge, it feels like. I, I mean, one thing I, I, I really don't understand is, I mean, so many of the fans getting on Kukurea's back, which I just, you know, I, I, I think we have seen glimpses of a good player there. He's obviously struggling, and I, I just don't see how you know, people swearing at you and shouting at you is going to build your confidence up anymore. Um, I, I think it, it looked really good. Fernandes looked really good straight away. And, and, and you know, as Gary says, I think there is, there is real promise. I just hope that the owners don't listen to the fans because the fans are getting impatient. They are, they really are. I mean, it, it was, there was, it, there was, Quite a lot of anger at the Fulham game, actually, more than I thought, because, you know, you've, you've, just spending money is not enough. You've got to, you know, you've got to let the team bet in. And, and I was quite surprised at, at, at some of the dissent and anger in the crowds, or maybe I shouldn't be. But, it, you know, I, I, like Gary, I think this team is, is yet, well, it, it's not yet to reach its potential. I mean, it's only just started. So I, I, I think it's quite exciting. I've definitely some exciting players. Um, and, and and you know what? And the thing is, I mean, like with Nonny, you could see, I mean, he was a little bit of a headless chicken sometimes, but he's the ball dribbling at his feet. He's dangerous. I mean, I think there's some really exciting players there. I mean, you know, I, I, I wasn't at that unhappy not to see Ziyech go to PSG because I think the two games previously, he's been one of our best players. He was the only one getting really nice crosses into the box. Um, I just think we've got to give him time, but I really want the fans to give the owners and Potter a bit more time before the, the kind of swearing and shouting at the players that we had on Friday night. Gary, I mean, this is quite an interesting point about the fans, and it leads us into another point that we've talked about. Um, the The owners... I don't think you're going to listen to the fans. I think they've got their minds made up of what they want to do. I think Graham Potter would have to show himself completely incapable of doing a job for them to get rid of him in the next year or so. That's, that's what I think. But do you think, one, that these fans 
are showing a sense of entitlement which no football fan should ever have. But two, do you think when we talk about it felt a bit like a pre-season game with swapping and changing and getting people used to things, would you like to talk about the US culture of what happens in teams when they're rebuilding through a season and what it's called? Yeah, well, they call it tanking. Okay, explain. Um, obviously, they... they they tank for different reasons. Um, they tank to get a better draft pick. So what does right? tanking so actually mean? That means that they just call off the season for them, basically, and they're happy to lose and there's no pressure on the players and they're just saying, look, let's treat this season as a whole season of preparation because we, we will tank this season to be better next. So you see it often where a couple of years ago, um, heading into the draft that year, there was a few quarterbacks that were coming up. Joe Burrow was one of them to uh, Tog Viola, who now is at the Miami Dolphins, was another. And the, the the hashtag they had with the Dolphins was tank for Tua because they wanted to get Tua to be their new quarterback, right? As he was coming out of college, he was one of the hottest prospects, him and Joe Burrow. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals subsequently got Joe Burrow and the Dolphins got um, Tua. And the Bengals now have gone from having, I think they, they didn't win a match for like 31 games or something like that. Um, they were Super Bowl runners-up last year and they got into their um, conference conference playoff final this year, losing out to the Chiefs marginally, by a, I think by a field goal. Um, so Super Bowl this weekend and this, the Chiefs against the Eagles. But the, the Bengals have gone from nothing to getting the player they wanted as their quarterback to now rebuilding that entire team and that entire offence. And they're an incredible team now. And they're going to be for the next six, seven, eight years maybe, because they've got this franchise quarterback that's going to carry them through. Um, and you look at Chelsea, and I know there's no draft and stuff, but I just look at it and I think that, I don't think we're tanking deliberately. I don't think you ever do that. But I think that having US owners that come from this culture of understanding the concept of rebuilding, and because they do it around drafts to get better picks, to rebuild their their teams, um, that they, I think they're used to it. They're used to transitioning this way. And this is me, or I've got no knowledge more so than anyone else on this podcast or anyone who's listening elsewhere or whatever. But um, I just look and I think it's, it makes sense when you look at that perspective where they've just gone, right, let's get everyone in now. They've done it, obviously, because they're getting ahead of the new UEFA regulations because they don't want to uh, break rules and end up in the, the hot water that City are in, as it's been announced today. Um, and it sort of stands to reason. It could be that I'm reading that and just getting it all over, overly complicated, but it makes sense, right, that they're these new owners that understand that they came in, that Chelsea had come to the end of this 20-year cycle with the previous ownership. They needed refreshing. They needed a squad that was younger. Um, there'd been a lot of bad transfer moves, and they, in one year, they have completely gutted that squad. Uh, well, I say in one year, in, in like, what, eight months? They've completely gutted that, completely gutted that squad, brought in all this new young talent, which is based on potential, as, as we've discussed. But they're setting it up because they're, they're happy to fail this year in order to su succeed next. Now, I'm not saying that if someone gave them the Premier League title and said, you signed all these players, now here's the title, they'd say no, of course they wouldn't. But I think they've looked at it, and I think for the first time, Chelsea have got a plan that's going to see them beyond this season. Um, I like to think that my reading of that is correct. I know that I'm coming out of that with a certain level of bias because I want to see... Chelsea succeed and I want to hope that the ownership's doing the right thing but looking at US sport understanding the culture there and transferring that to what we're seeing here it makes sense and while everyone was laughing at them last summer 
and saying, oh, these, these damn Americans don't know what they're doing. Well, they're changing the transfer game, mate. And everyone else is starting, they've been found with cold feet and they're starting to react to it. And Chelsea are changing the game again. And Seb, do, do you not think there's something about the fact that they've done all these deals in January and have changed the rules and the way contracts are done, so much so that now they're changing this amortisation over a long stretch of time. It can only be over five years. One, do you think that FIFA should be able to uh, say that, or UEFA actually, isn't it, um, should be able to say that to clubs, that how they should run their business? And two... Is this not a hell of a, a, a bold business move that no one seems to have ever explored before? In a family podcast, you don't really want to know my views on UEFA or FIFA because it will be long and expletive. Um, you know what? Sorry, we work with FIFA. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I just, <laughs> you, you know, I, I think, I, you know, it, it's obviously that we've, we seem to have found a loophole in how to spend half a million pounds in the off-season. So, in um, you know, and whether FIFA would try and shut that or not, I don't know. I, I, what I, I would definitely agree with, Gary, that for the last few years, we definitely, you know, it, everything just seems reactive. And, you know, we, we didn't even have a, you know, I mean, look, the, the signing of Kepa for enormous amounts of money when Courtois was leaving, even though we knew he was desperate to go, you know, we just weren't reacting fast enough. We didn't have a plan. We weren't identifying players. You know, there were years ago, we were identifying newer young players, you know, like Hazard and stuff like that. But for the last few years, it's been really bad. And I know I do get the criticism that Chelsea have gone out and spent an obscene amount of money. And we're going to be hearing what a waste of money probably quite a lot this season. But I think they really have got a thought process on how this is going to work and and for the future, like Gary said. And I, I just... I, I hopefully FIFA won't try and change the rules. I, I don't know. I, I, but for, for us, it's been a massive, massive rebuild for a team that has been, I won't say stagnating, because we have been buying players. We've just been buying the wrong players and for the wrong prices. I, and, and Seb, one of the, the transfers out, and we'll, we'll also talk about how great last day was with the Enzo Fernandez, but J5 morphed into E5. Or I think, Gary, you said EZ5, didn't you? You know, that Fernandez comes in, Jorginho goes to Arsenal, and immediately Fernandez gets his shirt. Uh, and and doesn't don't you find there's a symbolism in that? That that's the old way. You know, Jorginho, love him, hate him, whatever. Everyone has their own view on him. But he symbolised a way of playing and a way we did things in that midfield. And it's almost like we've gone... That's it. We are changing. And now you've got somebody who's a very different type of player in. So E5 from J5. I, th I tell you what I do think. I mean, I, I've mentioned on this podcast before, I don't want players in the last year of their contract. I'm, I'm sick of reading on the back pages. Everyone's after them. I'm sick of reading how their money's... And it's probably all agents. It's, all, it's probably all absolute tosh. But I, I find it really distracting, as we found out with so many players recently, you know, you know going that season... And it, I just don't see the point in it. So for me, selling Jorginho to Arsenal for, for 12 million 
with when he only had six months left in his contract. For me, that's good business. You know, I, I do like him. I do, I do think he was quite a good player. I know he wasn't a loved player, probably because he came in with the Sarri regime, but I think he's been a good player for us. But he had six months left on his contract. I know some people are saying, why did we send him to Arsenal? I think that's good business. I really do. I, you know, that's 12 million. We would- did you see the goal Arsenal conceded at the weekend? No, I didn't. That's why we let him go to <laughs> Arsenal. So it's 12 million. Agent, agent, he's, uh, agent J20 now he is. <laughs> so, but, so, but I do think, I think players in the last six months of their contract, I, I just think it, it, it's a nightmare. And that's for the next six months, all we'd have read about on the back pages is who wants him, where is he going? And the agent's trying to drive up his money. Best rid, I think. And, and I think that should be a policy. We've seen that for the last two years. Yeah. The last two years, he's been whoring himself out. If he could have done, he would have gone to Juventus already, but he couldn't. And then he couldn't go to Juventus because they're caught up in their, <laughs> you know, another financial scandal again. So he's had to settle on Arsenal. But I don't think that's a bad loss. I think getting 12 million out of him is amazing. I think that I've said this for so long is that Jorginho isn't misunderstood in my eyes. I've never misunderstood Jorginho. What it is, I just didn't like what he bought because it stopped this team playing the way that it wanted to or it needed to. And we said it for many a, a time on this podcast, Kerry, about Jorginho and how Tuchel was trying to play and that Tuchel was going to need to move him on if he was going to play a more dynamic, high-octane game. And I know it didn't. we didn't win against Fulham and the performance was you know, lacking in certain parts and needed more to it, but you saw immediately the difference. The number five gets the ball, looks up, goes. Rather than gets it, hey, I want to pass here, I want to pass there. Da, da, da. Everything's got to go through me. No, it's, it was quicker football. And I think that as those inside forwards get used to the fact that they've got a midfielder that's going to feed them with the ball and they all start getting a bit more in tune with each other and in sync, I think that you're going to see that it's, it's beneficial for us not to have Jorginho. I know Andy sent us a tweet earlier. I, saw, I read the first tweet on it and I just sort of, lost the will to live when the person that tweeted said Jorginho was the, the best defensive midfielder at the club. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I know, I know. And I don't care. That's not about misunderstanding Jorginho. Seriously, the best defensive midfielder at the club. Come on. No, exactly. But look, I, I'd agree with you. And look, we don't want to rain on anyone's parade. Andy loved Jorginho. Good luck. You know, we, we can't all love the same players. You know, he, it, it's just the way it is. Um, but that, that's fine, though, because Andy probably loved Jorginho. I know we've had this discussion, Andy and I, for a long time. Um, and I'm not, you know, we, we talk, I was talking about the tweet someone else sent there, not what Andy had said. But um, the thing is, Andy probably loved him for the reasons that I didn't, because I don't like the way he plays football. Yeah. I, I want to see Chelsea play football like we did in the 90s. And we didn't play football in the 90s with someone like Jorginho. Yeah, no, and look, Andy loves things to be sorted and organised, and that's fair enough. Look, there's an argument for, there's an argument against. He's gone. We are now in a new era. Look, what we should do is we should go to the commercial break now, and when we've had that, we'll come back and we'll talk more because there's a couple other interesting points out of the whole transfer window. We'll be back in a sec. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And we're back. Um, now, Seb... When you see all these transfers going on, I, I don't know about you, but I got goosebumpy. You know, will he sign, you know, the Fernandez deal on the last day? I actually started listening to the radio, keeping an eye on the TV to see what was going on. And it reminded me of that 2003-2004 season where it was just like nothing we'd ever seen before. Um, do, do you think there is a comparison to be had with that that season? I think so. You know, it's new owners. They've obviously defined something that they want to happen. They've obviously defined something that they think the team has not got or, or you know, and what they want to achieve with a new team. And they're going out and, and, and they're getting it. You know what? I, I do worry about the, the size of some of the price tags. I don't know if it's always responsible buying. You know, I, I think generally when people talk about buying potential, it's they come with smaller price tags. We've been spending vast months on on potential, and I think that I you know I worry for some of those players that they, players that they're just going to get this, you know that 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 burden around their neck of that price tag as as we have seen before can can weigh them down. Uh, I, I'm I'm not worried about Fernandez. I, I I think Noni Madruke. I think he's really good. I I just. I, I just hope it all goes well. I, I, I you know what? I, I don't like being the team that's spending obscene amounts of money. If I'm honest, I, but yeah, because really, we've never really done it. Well, <laughs> I, I just wish it would be. Listen, in an ideal world, this spending would have been done over a, a slightly longer period of time. But we weren't offered that. You know, there was all the sanctions with Boris and Ukraine, which was obscene in itself um, and there were other things going on and and like we've mentioned earlier you know I don't think the investment in the team was right before so they've had to do it they've had to do it they've had to splash a lot of cash I just hope that that doesn't weigh around their necks because they have bought some fantastic players yeah and and the, the the thing I would say is they've also done it now because a they found this loophole obviously worked out that somebody's going to close it off as soon as they've done it. Get all their business done. There's every chance we're not going to have European football, so they can't say, hey, come to us and come and play Champions League football. Sell them the project. Get them in from the start. Here we go. I mean, Gary, the comparisons with 2003-2004, it, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yes, it's not like for like, but it's still very similar in that New owners come along, new owners shake up the transfer window, uh, you know, the whole transfer system, the, the big teams that are used to having it their own way don't like it and Chelsea changed the game again. Um, but then you look at what we did, that transfer window as well, the first one of Roman Abramovich, we just signed so many players and then Ranieri was charged with the, the task of, you know, forming a team out of that 
Um, but it was exciting times. And obviously Chelsea are a different club now than they were 20 years ago. And we're used to winning things. But it goes back to that whole idea of, you know, Seb saying I'd rather have done this over a period of time rather than doing it together. But I think that's where that whole idea of tanking comes in. I'm not saying they're deliberately throwing the season out, but they know that we're new owners. We've got a new coach. We've got all of this stuff. We know we've got to change this team. So let's sort of write the season off. Let's just do the painful stuff now so that we can win tomorrow. And um, I think that that was sort of, Abramovich wasn't doing that with the intention in 2003. He came in, spent, well, this squad needs to be redeveloped. You know, we spoke to Colin Hutchinson about this, Kerry. Yeah. Right? Without giving too much away with what we're doing with the blueprint. But what was the issue with Chelsea? They were trying to regenerate a squad that was ageing. And they started doing that by bringing through John Terry. They signed Frank Lampard. But two years later, Abramovich came in and just sent them into the stratosphere, able to do it in one summer rather than over a period of time. And what you see in US sports is, especially around the draft, is the teams that are finishing lower get the higher draft picks. So they're trying to pick the best players and trying to get five or six amazing college prospects that in two or three years' time are going to be serving them to go on to win Super Bowl, right? And you're seeing it here with Chelsea. We're signing young players that have got potential. Will we win the league this year? No, but we knew that at the start of the season. Uh, are we going to win a trophy this season? No, we're not. But we knew that probably at the start of the season, right? Could still so win Champions everyone... League. We could <laughs> still win. Well you, know, well, you know, and the cliche being it's Chelsea, it's the sort of thing we might end up doing. It's crazy that we could do it. But um, I think that if you just take a step back and just calm down for a minute and look at it, I'm not saying I want to see Chelsea lose next week. You know, I'm not saying I want to see us lose and finish in a bad position. But if we do, is this such a bad thing for this year? Do we need to be winning all the matches this year? What I want to see from Chelsea between now and the end of the season is progress. And that progress is a bit more cohesion in the team, integration of signings, um, seeing Rhys James and Ben Chilwell ease back into it so they can discover form heading into the summer so that they're fit and ready to start a new season again when they come back for pre-season. That's what I want to see. I want to see Potter's ideas coming together and players starting to understand it. Weeding out the players that don't want to be at the club. Weeding out the players that they're going to sell. Um, you know, I just think that we're in a good place. Yeah, Doesn't I mean, mean hey, that we're going to be in a good place tomorrow. No. But we're in a good place now. And if we manage this properly, we'll continue to be. And it could be worse. We could be Liverpool. Hey, We could be Spurs. We could be Arsenal. <clears throat> Absolutely. We're not. We're chills. Um, so actually, we'll get on to your thoughts because you mentioned there who needs to be weeded out. You've come up with your squad for next season, haven't you? But um, one thing I just wanted to ask about the players that we've got and who stays. And maybe this will figure in what you're about to talk about. But Mason Mount, Seb, has been getting a lot of stick. And I just don't get it for one. Oh, I'm not sure he's quite the player or he's this. And, you know, the boy, as Gary pointed out a couple of weeks ago, has played constantly. And yet there's also, you have to say, somebody else who's not been performing but doesn't seem to come in for criticism, and he could have had a hat-trick, was Kai Havertz. Now, I'm not wanting to have a go at Havertz, but it's really skewed the way Chelsea fans and football fans pick on particular players, isn't it? Okay, so if, if I look at the Fulham game, I, I, when I got home, because I wanted to see what other people thought of the game, because I, I found it quite odd, actually. I found... The um, the negativity at the ground, I thought, 
was 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 much higher than I thought it would have been. Bearing in mind that we we were playing players that had only been in the country for two days, um, and the amount of abuse for Mason Mount online was insane. And for me, I think he's yeah, that's online uh, as well. That's online. I don't pay any no, attention to these and, groups. And I, I, you know, but I just don't get it. I mean, I, I, he's one of the last players I would ever want to lose from the Chelsea team. I see him being there for another four or five years. I think he's amazing. Um, the Kai Havertz thing, him playing as a striker is an experiment that, that I don't think is working very much. But you're right, he doesn't get much. I, I, I think the reason he's not getting the abuse or the negativity is because he's quite obviously being played out of his favourite position and he's doing his best. And that's what, that's what the difference there is. Um, the one thing I would say, that I think there was a lot of positives from a team that obviously hasn't been together very long. The one thing that did slightly concern me was... I don't think one substitution improved what was going on on the pitch. And I think that was a th that was my only slight criticism from obviously what was, you know, the game against Fulham was pretty much an experiment, you know, putting in loads of new players and seeing how they're all going to play. Um, my one criticism would be that substitutions were a little bit ineffectual. But, you know, like I said, lots of these players have only been playing together for a week. Yeah, and, and Gary, I mean, on the Havertz thing, uh, let me just get this clear. I am not trying to incite people to have a go at him. That That isn't the point of this. The point is, I think, we get Chelsea fans can get very selective over who they pick out. I don't think we should be picking anyone out. They're all Chelsea. They all play in blue. And when they're out there on, on the pitch, I support them. Yeah, look, constructive criticism and criticism... It's fine. That's not a problem. It's when you've got an agenda and you're basically just pushing that agenda. And I don't know what it is, but it seems to be um, social media fans. They want to have a go at players that weren't purchased for hundreds of millions of pounds because I guess they're not exciting and sexy enough, right? Um, I, I don't get that. And you, you can tell they're all of a certain age group um, and they all often wee the bed, I'm, I'm sure, because um, <laughs> their arguments are nonsensical they're not based on on facts but they're not based on you know these are people that don't understand what culture means at a football club and that's not to say that oh you put players in because they're homegrown regardless no but when they're mason mount and they're i know reese james isn't kind of coming in for any flack yet but i'm sure he would um but when they're mason mount reese james and connor gallagher that offer something to this team and they and sorry yeah chaloba as well in that and loftus cheek th these are people Lewis that are, yeah, Lewis Hall, you know, these are people that are the beating heart of Chelsea. These are people that have been at the club since they were kids. These are people and players that are important to not only what Chelsea do on the pitch and people, and just to, just to sort of caveat this and before people think that I'm saying Loftus-Cheek and others should be starters. No, they're good squad players that come in and do jobs when the, the more senior players and the better players can't. And they're the ones that, you know, they, they say about, oh, you don't win a league, you won't win the league because of Messi, you win the league because of the B player or whatever, Right. But Chelsea have, you know, they've got a good academy there and it's feeding the first team now and we're using it very well. And and when I see Mason Mount, you know, the point Seb made there about, you know, Havertz, it's it's a valid point that Havertz has been played out of position. But guess what, Twitter losers? So is Mason Mount. Mason Mount has never been an inside forward in his life and has been played out of position because of what's behind him. Mason Mount is a seven or an eight. 
He's not an inside forward. He's not dynamic enough. He's not quick enough. But what he is, he is in the mold of an Essien and a Lampard mix. Okay, he doesn't have the power of Essien and he doesn't score the goals of Lampard, but he has what those players brought to the team. And you look at Conor Gallagher doing the same thing. And Gallagher is in his first season at Chelsea and he's come in recently and he's playing ahead of Kovacic because of Kovacic's injuries. And I don't see there being any dip in quality in terms of, oh, we really need Kovacic in there because of this. You know, when Thiago Silva's not playing at the back, you see the difference. When Kovacic isn't in midfield and Gallagher's there, you don't see the difference. The only difference you do see is that Kovacic came from Real Madrid and cost 40 million. Gallagher was, um, yeah. he was, he was relentless. I mean, his energy levels against Fulham were fantastic. I mean, the effort he was putting in right to, you know, right until he came off would just, you know, you, and you could see it. You could see him running his heart out. I mean, one thing I would say as well, I think the people in front of me were so hell-bent on giving Kukurea a hard time that when he did actually make a fantastic block, um, they, almost, they almost looked sad. They almost looked sad. They almost looked angry that he'd done something good. And I think that, you know, sometimes they get in that mindset of them disliking a player so much that they were almost sad that he'd done something good. I find that just bizarre. Well, you know, um, was it the John Cale and Lou Reed came up uh, with a record for Andy Warhol called Songs for Drella? I think we should come up with one Songs for Cucarella. Uh, because I think he needs a bit of love and support because he's he's another one. Yeah, things haven't worked out at times, but really he puts his all in. He he doesn't want to play badly and I don't think he's a bad player. I think we just get on people's backs way too much and it needs to stop. We need to support these guys. Um, Gary, the, the, the other thing we're talking about on this whole transfer window and everything that's happened, uh, you came up with a squad for next season. You don't think it's that hard because everyone goes on. The, the thing the press try to do is, oh, how will Potter cope now? He's got a bloated squad. There's too many players. Well, he's got a few months to deal with that. And there's going to be unhappy people, as we can see by Aubameyang, not in the Champions League squad. He is not going to keep everyone happy until the end of the season. That is a given. But you don't think it's that hard to streamline this squad very quickly and and... Very well, do you? Well, the, the reason this came about is I um, on Saturday I, there was no football for Chelsea, so I went for a walk and I went down the pub and I thought I haven't watched any rugby for years. I watched the Six Nations and in five minutes I was thinking about Chelsea's squad for next season. That's how entertained I was. Um, so uh, yeah, I came up with a squad for next season that didn't take me long either. Um, it's actually twenty-four players from this bloated squad that we've got. Um, and I was just looking and thinking, who can we move on? And I just think that Mendy's contract's up at the end of the season. Let him go, which I think they're going to, because the talk of that extension has died down. And if we weren't to sign um, another goalkeeper, I think you look, obviously you're looking at Kepa as the number one, and then you've got Gargar Salina as the, the number two, who, based on YouTube highlights, <laughs> looks a good goalkeeper. Um, he's, made, he's the youngest goalkeeper to ever play for the USA now, because he made his debut last month. Obviously, that's not you know, anything to be writing home about. I appreciate it's the USA and they're not known for their goalkeeping talent, but still he's, he's getting some recognition. He's making inroads for such a young kid. But then I started looking at it. I just thought, well, okay, what would our defense be? So I've, I've put down as I think we keep as because you want 
senior professionals like him around the club. Like I was saying just now about culture, he's been he's part of the furniture at Chelsea. You need that lifeblood there. And he might not have come through the academy, but he's someone who's been at the club for a long time. Um, so I think you keep him if you can on a one-year contract if he's happy. And then you've got Gusto, James, Thiago, get him another year. Uh, Chaloba, Fafana, Badia Shield, Chilwell and Kukurea. That gives you cover with four centre-backs, two left-backs, two right-backs, plus Azpilicueta, Asper, right? And then the midfield, it sort of comes together where we know J5 has gone now. Um, I think we should allow Kovacic to leave. Uh, so that leaves Mount, Gallagher, Fernandez, uh, Kante, if he signs a new deal, uh, Loftus-Cheek, who, uh, who? Uh, Hall and Chukwameka. Um, granted, with that, I appreciate that it's probably a bit light because Ruben's not going to be playing every week and he's injury-prone, same as Kante. I think Hall has shown himself to be better on as a left wing-back than he is in the centre at the moment, but he's still learning his game. And Chuck Wameka's impressed every time he's played. So I think you've got a, a decent enough midfield there. I'd love them to add Declan Rice if they could. Um, and then with the inside forwards or the attackers, you've got Havertz, Nonny, Mudrick, if we can sign Felix and Sterling. And then um, up front, the rumours are we're signing Nkunku. And then my wild card oh. for next season Breuer. would be... Give him, Luke, give him Lukaku, <clears throat> give him Pulisic, give him Ziyech, plus 100 million, and it will take Harry Kane from Spurs. Thank you. Excellent. Um, I, I, but I, but, I but like seriously, that. but if we could get someone like Kane, that, that's the one that's missing. So everything in there is realistic uh, in terms of players that are at the club now. And I know this is easier said than done because you've got the problem of how do you get rid of Ziyech? They couldn't get rid of him, right? They messed that one up. Um, well, they also messed Pulisic, up another got, two transfers on deadline day in Simons and Amari Hutchinson one to Hull yeah. and one to West Brom only little deals but it's true but sorry carry on so so that, that so that squad I just listed off there just you know I know obviously people will have to go back and remember what I said but um that's 24 players plus Kane is 25 that gives you a Premier League squad and that squad there once gelled that's a title winning squad Ah, oh, it's brilliant. It's so easy to... No, but, no, but it is. It you, is. No, but you look at it and that, that, that's why I'm so infused by what's going on at the moment is that that's a title winning squad. It needs time to become that. But you look at the attacking talent. Granted, I think the weakness in there would be in central midfield because I don't think you've got depth beyond Fernandez, right? I know Kante is Kante, but he's not Kante of old. But you look at the attacking talent that we've got there. If we had someone like Kane in this team, we would... He would be doing what Haaland was doing at the start of the season. You, you look, you think you've got Sterling, Felix, Mudrick, Nonny and Havertz outside of you. It's impossible not to score goals. Well, Nkunku is hopefully that man. You know, that, that's... Well, let's see, because he's not, he's not particularly prolific. That's what concerns <clears throat> me. He strikes me as another Timo Werner. Yeah. Um, and I hope I'm wrong, but he's someone who's got ability but he just doesn't score enough goals. And you see Kane just recently broke Jimmy Greaves' record and I'd love to see him, I mean, banging on this about this for ages. He's got a year left on his contract to the end of this season. Can you tempt Daniel Levy into thinking he's just going to go for free next year so we'll take Lukaku while we can and we'll take Pulisic and Ziyech or whoever else they're offering plus the money? Because if we got Kane, that's instant. If we're not winning the league, we're going very, very close to winning it because this team as well, you take out... You, know, you look at our biggest problem this season is that we're not conceding goals anymore, but we just can't score them. Yeah. Against Fulham, we couldn't score. 
But Seb, what do you think of his squad? And what do you think about the, the tiny little idea of, A, also, let's not forget you chucked Teclan Rice in there as well. And Harry no, Kane. But I, that, that, that was me just saying I'd love to add him in there, I but I didn't would. add him as part of the numbers. No, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Well, what's your thoughts, Seb, on that squad? Would you be happy to go with that? T for me, I, I think the 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 loss of Kante this season has really hurt us, and I'd like to see that that uh, you know a real a really good understudy for him in exactly the same mould as him. I think Harry Kane to Chelsea won't happen as much as Gary wants it to. I just I I don't think he. Please. I'm just not sure. He will literally, you know, he's built something at Spurs, something that will be ruined, you know, like his 10 years at Spurs will be ruined in one season. And I, I think as a human being, he might not do that. I don't know. Um, but the rest of it, I agree with. I think we've got some really good players. I think we've got a, a bloated squad and we need some to go. I mean, I, I think I think Pulisic is a bit too lightweight. He, there's obviously a good player there, but it, it's, it's, it's not... You know, for someone who's always complaining, he's not playing. You know, when he does play, he doesn't seem to play very well. So I, I'm not, I'm not that fussed about that. I think Ziyech hasn't really worked. I think it probably is time for him to go. Even despite me saying he was our best player for the the two games before Fulham. Um, it, but yeah, I agree with I agree with most of that. To be honest. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, look, we are just about out of time, so we should actually. Look forward. I tell you, it's so weird having a. Well, could, a could, could you just indulge me on Harry Kane for a minute? No. Well, well, oh, okay. well, well I could if it's going to be quick. Dan, sorry, Daniel Levy <laughs> over there. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, fantasies, fantasies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, but I, I just look in, I just think modern football, um, I think if, if Kane had any bottle, and I know I'm getting into the psyche of someone I don't even know that I've met a few times. But um, if he had anything about him, he would look at this and think, you know what? I've just broken the scoring record of Spurs, but I'm, I'm going to go and win. Because this team is set. If we can get... Whoever comes as a striker knows they're banging in a load of goals and they're winning trophies at Chelsea if they join this team, right? And Kane now should be looking at Shearer's Premier League record that he is realistically going <laughs> to... If he leaves Spurs and goes to a team like the way Chelsea are built up now, that he's got a realistic opportunity of not only beating Shearer's scoring record in the Premier League, um, but actually winning trophies because he has won nothing at Spurs. All those goals mean nothing. Do you they, what, what are the goals for? They, they, they just, if, if anything, they just sort of reaffirm the mediocrity over <laughs> at White Hart Lane, right? That they've got a striker scoring that many goals. How can you not win trophies? And don't, but seriously, it does. Yeah, and do you not think also it gets Tottenham back for creating a legend out of Jimmy Greaves, who was ours in the first place? Yeah, yeah, but and Brennan also as well, for you look at it as well, though, for Kane. For Kane, is that you know does does he harbour any resentment towards Levy in that? He was like, yeah, I'll, we've got this gentleman's agreement, you'll leave, da, 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 and then he doesn't allow him to leave. So does he think, well, it's my opportunity to screw him? But equally, I think if you go back to Arsenal and speak to speak to fans about Van Persie, they still love him. But what did he do? He left because he knew he had spent yeah, but... all those years of mediocrity at Arsenal not winning anything. And he went to United and he won the title immediately. Ask Tottenham, Kane fans, comes about, into Chelsea team. Ask Tottenham fans about Sol Campbell then. <laughs> you know? But... 
look, that's that's totally different. It's to, it's totally different because Sol Campbell was someone that was disrespectful to the club and he was so underhand about what he did. Whereas Kane okay. is someone that's been there for a long time and Allegedly. spent his prime years at the club. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just I look at it, I just think it is made for him to join Chelsea and do a Van Persie. Van Persie went and won the title at United and it was incredible and he's never regretted it. Kane coming to Chelsea, he would win everything. We've we, we, we got a potential to win everything. Seriously, I know I'm dreaming, but you know what I was about to say? I was just like, you know, we could win next season. We could win the Europa Conference League. Oh, God. Because <laughs> we're not going to get the Champions League. We're you know, not going to get year, any of It could them. be the Conference League that we, he wins. We, are... we could win the Zenith Data Systems Cup again. Oh, the Simod Cup. The Ang- we could you know, find we, the we end could... to the Anglo-Italian Cup. Let's bring that you know, back. It, it, there's just Harry Kane is my favourite player who isn't a Chelsea player, and him being at Chelsea would be All absolutely right. okay. incredible. Okay, right, we're going to move on because you're getting really excitable and carried away. Thank God people can't see the video of you looking. Where's my prophylactic? <laughs> uh, Seb, okay, look, we have only got one game this week. It's so much fun, this. They get a week training. And we're playing West Ham. Oh, God, blimey. This is going to be one of those games, isn't it? You know, West Ham have been down on their luck a bit. They've, they've uh, did well against Newcastle. We're going there. It's going to be uh, a fiery atmosphere, I would think, for a lot of those new boys. How do you see this one panning out? And what's your predictions for it? I, you know what? The fiery atmosphere doesn't, doesn't worry me. Uh, what worries me more is them playing home and uh, playing at home and feeling their own fans on their back. So uh, that doesn't bother me. I, I think I think a lot of players can actually use that kind of fiery atmosphere. Um, I, you know what? I, it, it all depends how this week's training goes with all our new players. I think we're going to win. But the problem with us at the moment is I think anyone, you know, when they're not scared of us like they used to be. So, I, you know what? I think this could be a really good game. But I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Lovely, lovely. Gary, your final thoughts on a West Ham game? 4-0 uh, to Chelsea. Oh, I love it. Oh, okay, is that it? That's yeah, it. I, we got, we're, no, we got away with one when we played them back in September. Yeah, we did. And, um, oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, but they, they, they should have scored and Mendy got the dodgy VAR decision. Yeah. But um, I just think a week of Fernandez settling in Mudrick not having the cold anymore. I think they they got the Kate. Uh, what's his name's back? Um, Felix is back. Yeah. I just think that this has got the they've they've got the ability here to really go out and give West Ham a right spank. You know what? The, your 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 optimism is infectious. I'm now thinking, yeah, it's going to be four nil. I'm I'm believing it. <laughs> I'm believing in unicorns. You can't go for that prediction. No, 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 That's no, mine. I believe it could happen. I also believe in unicorns and fairy dust, and I'm in such a good mood now. Can we do this every week? <laughs> yeah, we can. I'm feeling happy. I'm but gonna... I, I, I do. I do. But I'm just thinking, and it's West Ham as well. And when think when the chips are down at Chelsea. There's what we love doing something, and it's always giving West Ham a hide. And if it's not West Ham, it's Spurs. You know? yeah. And I, I love that we do that. And I just think that you know everything that's going on. A week of these players are together again, and all the noise has you know calmed down a little bit. And you know the, the only thing is, is there's not a striker to score them. But you know, remember when we went to Galatasaray and we won five nil, and I remember that game. Ambrosetti scored Ambrosetti. for Chelsea. <laughs> Just going to say. And 
I'm just thinking maybe the Italian Ryan Giggs. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, Viali, bless his soul yeah. with that quote. Yeah. Um, and a curse of player. Maybe yeah, maybe Mudrick is going to come up with it. You know, he's got the same dirty. Um, undercut that uh, Ambrosetti had. So maybe he's going to come up with a goal in a 4-0 romping. Oh, I love it. I, 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 I can't wait to finish this to go and phone everyone and say, you are going to have to watch Chelsea smash West Ham. Okay, I'm going I'm going to temper this. I'm going to go for a more mundane 3-0 win. There you go. And, <laughs> and it's going to be a hat-trick from Havertz with three assists from Mason Mount. There you go. That'll that It's a twelve thirty kickoff as yeah, well, it is. isn't it? So yeah, it's um, gutted. I got a whole ass at half half seven. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, because you'll be on the boardwalk. Why don't you see if Bruce will watch the game with you? But uh, you never know. He might 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 just really get into Chelsea. Anyway, look, that's it. We are done. <laughs> Gary, have a fantastic time in America. Uh, send us a postcard from Asbury Park. Um, and well, see if you can get me a proper Asbury Park, yeah. New Jersey. See if you can get me a proper hoodie from the, those ones. I like those. What's wrong with the hoodie I got you? Well, it's four sizes too big. It looks I'm wearing a dress. You don't. You don't even wear it. I try to, but I keep falling over the arms. You know, they're that long. You know, I love it. It's lovely material. Small. Yeah, I can't help it. But if you buy, well, I can't get you another one, mate. You're gonna to have to keep that. <laughs> Shrink it. <laughs> it's impossible. Got, it, it was a. It was a. It was an XL. Uh, Seb. American it's like it's, an it's American hoodie. XL though, so it's like a yeah. triple XL from from the Stone Pony. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, look, we are we are out of time. No one needs to know about the hoodie talk. Um, it's been absolutely brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. I'm feeling up. I can't wait for the weekend. Thank you, Seb. Wonderful to speak to you as always. Thank you, Gary. Your insight is yours uh and that's it <laughs> this has been the chills and we are the chills and come on you blues if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk sports social podcast network pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.